Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Y'all's the hate on all of my moves, but now niggas on it. They used to bait me on me and my views, but now niggas on it. I used to tell them I had me a show, but now niggas on it. Her homies on it. Your homies on it. Y'all's the hate on all of my moves, but now niggas on it. They used to bait me on me and my views, but now niggas on it. I used to tell them I had me a show, but now niggas on it. Her homies on it. Your homies on it. <laughs> we laugh every time with the with the clap, with the manual. Every time is funny. Realest podcast ever. We back. It's your boy C Diddy. I'm Matt. Makes me sick. In fact, I'm not Matt. Makes me sick. Today. Matt Kane. I'm Matthew W Kane <laughs> today. You know what I'm saying? I'm the what w. is your middle name? Walter. Walter. Yeah. Good strong name. American Yo, what's funny? My my old dispatcher was like, "What is your full name?" I was like Matthew Kane, and he was like, "What's your middle name?" I was like, "It's the W." I was I said, I said Matthew W Kane. He's like W. What, what's the W? I was like Walter. He's like Matthew Walter Kane. That's a good name. That's good a name. Old Vet Ackler. He's like, that's a name. Boy. It's a political name. And uh, today I we might are, have a future in, in politics. Who knows? <laughs> right. uh, yeah. You know, the, you know, some of the right people. We starting off on the right track today. Yeah. Uh, we're on location today. Uh, we're at Strivers Row uh, Cafe here in the heart of Winfield, 2001 North 54th Street. Make sure y'all come and support a black business. Uh, appreciate to the owner yeah, shout out to you, and man. everybody here for uh, for housing us, for allowing us to come into this area and do this show live on location. We appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, but as y'all can see, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, we got a special guest today here with us. And today's guest is a Democratic politician and an at-large member of the Philadelphia City Council. She was elected to an at-large seat on the City Council in 2019, becoming the youngest black woman to serve on the City Council. Clap that up, Dan. Yellow button. Yeah. We're going to clap it up early. You got to tell Dan what buttons. <laughs> she is also alumni of my alma mater, Westchester University, as well as our my sister high school, Girls High, um, and a prominent member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority, TRP Nation, help us welcome Philadelphia City Council Member Catherine Gilmore Richardson. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're going to live clap that, Thank too. You. How you doing today, Kathy? I'm doing good. How y'all doing? Good, good, man. Good. We, uh, we, we appreciate you taking some time to sit with us today to talk. You know, as you know, we've had some of your city council members on the show, uh, Mr. Fourth District. Uh, we've also had State Rep uh, Morgan Sevis on Love the show. Morgan. Time. Morgan's phenomenal. Everybody yes. loves Morgan. And um, we are coming up at an interesting time of the year, pivotal time of the year uh, for Philadelphia with the primary elections looming. And then um, in November, you're up for re-election, correct? May and November. May and November. Okay, you're up for re-election. Um, so we just wanted to kind of sit down and talk with you today about the overall climate of the city, your constituency, what you're hearing, who you're talking to, uh, but also use this as a, a moment to tell your story also and make people more familiar with you going forward. Yeah, sure. it's Women's History Month. We're wrapping up. We Absolutely. You're, you're our last guest for Women's History Month. Oh, thank you all. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, I guess I want to start by saying, what first got you interested in politics? So, originally, I was not interested in politics at all. Um, I grew up here in Winfield. My family was very religious, like, go to church six, seven days a week. Um, that's all they did. My yeah. parents worked at the hospital, and then we would just do church. <laughs> 
But when Remember I Remember just doing church Just doing church Every so day Like going to the church Right <laughs> Right And it was going something It was something every day yeah. It was like You know Saturday was You know We sold dinners Out the kitchen To raise money for the yeah. church Sunday was service Monday we might have Had off Tuesday was Bible study yeah. Bible study I mean It was that kind of family um, So when I went to high school At Girls High When I was 15 we had an assembly one morning, and a lady came to you know speak to us and talk to us about her life, and she was saying she had just been elected to city council, but not yet sworn in. And she had a really interesting story. She said she was the oldest of seven, um, that she graduated from Girls High, went to Penn State, and kind of had this windy road through teaching to get to politics. Okay. And I really enjoyed her story, so I went home, and we back then we had a, a brother word processor. I will never forget. I went on a little word processor. Oh, we were the last ones to get a computer. Like my parents were still buying encyclopedias. Mm-hmm. And I wrote her a letter, and we've been connected ever since. So I wrote her a letter. She responded, and I would volunteer and intern in her office starting at the age of fifteen. And after oh, so you had it together young Right Yeah <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing I just you know Like doing whatever They asked me to do Stuff envelopes Stuff bags Whatever it was They wanted me to do I was there And always available And when I went to school um, At Westchester And I went to grad school My professor said Well listen You can't graduate Until you do an internship Somewhere um, In politics And I said Well let me call Miss Blondell mm-hmm. And I called Blondell Reynolds Brown's office, and they allowed me to be their grad intern. And then I started working for the city full-time in 2008 in council, and I served in every single position you can have as a staffer in city council in Blondell Reynolds Brown's office. And every turn, she just pushed me. Even when I didn't want to do something, yeah. she said, no, you're going to be the legislative aide. Because, because of this. Good, right, go ahead, she yeah. was like, you got to learn how to do this. And I did that for five years, just writing all the legislation and all the laws that she was putting forth. Like she did the menu labeling bill. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to see now all the, the calorie and nutritional information when you go to like McDonald's or different places. She wrote that bill. So I had a chance to work on that bill. Um Anything that she worked on, I worked on it with her. And when she decided not to seek re-election in 2019, my phone started blowing up. And they were like, Kathy, you have to run. And I'm like, me? They're like, yeah, you really have to run. So I had to resign from my job, um, working with the city. I resigned on February 1st. The election was like May 19th. So I had 14 weeks just to put something together, basically. And with the help of so many family and friends, like my husband was my field director, my driver. He drove me every night. He was like my ad hoc field director. We just put something together in 14 Shout weeks. out to him, man, because he's always around, like really. Yes, and loves, loves the show. But we raised a quarter million in 14 weeks through oh, the campaign man. together. And I came in fifth place for five seats, one of those five uh, at-large seats. We 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 are also trying to raise a quarter million dollars in fourteen, <laughs> 14 weeks. weeks. <laughs> we can talk to you off air about how, how how you did that so quickly. Right. Can I can I ask this real quick? You say you went to Westchester for your undergrad. Mm-hmm. Where'd you go for grad school? Westchester. Oh, you did both of them. Mm-hmm. So what what are your degrees in? Like I always wondered this as far as politicians. Like what do you? Is it law? No. So I have a bachelor's in political science, ah. and then my grad degree is in public administration. So I'm actually ah. working in my field. Yeah, that makes yeah. all the sense in the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Yeah. So for those unfamiliar, what is the day-to-day job like for a city council member? So 
no day is the same. So, you know, we're every day, our basic core primary responsibilities are to what we call legislate. And that means draft and make all the laws that, you know, we abide by in the city um, and appropriate. We appropriate all the funds um, for our $5.8 billion uh, city budget. And so right now we're going into budget season where we dissect every single city department. We look at all of their budgets, how they're spending their money, how they provide service um, to constituents and across the city. And um, we go through and figure out where we need to make changes, whether we want to make additional investments in, you know, different locations, places, organizations. Um, but really, our primary responsibility is to legislate and appropriate. Now, day to day, no day is the same. Every single day is different. Yesterday, I had a schedule and everything changed after the, the water incident oh, came up. Man. And so um, that changed the rest of our day <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. Um, today, same thing. I have a schedule. We'll, the water incident will take uh, primary precedence over anything else that's going on. And then right now, we're also campaigning for re-election. So right. at night, I go out again. So after we do all of our meetings during the day and any emergencies that come up, then at night I'll be out doing two to three, four or five meetings, depending on what day it is, to talk to voters all across the city about re-election. So right now it's probably 18, 20-hour days um, every single day for the next 50 days, and that's what we do. Can I, can I can I ask one question real quick? You said the you handle budgeting for Philadelphia. That's five point eight billion. Mm -hmm. Now is that everything like parks, the street, highway? Is that everything? Right. So that's everything with a mix of federal funding. So we do get federal funding that you know funnels down through the state, mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's direct federal funding. But five point eight billion for the city. Then you know the, another couple billion with the school district. Then we have quasi agencies like SEPTA and others that also have budgets. So really, our core responsibility is at five. $8 billion, which is our operating budget. That's okay. how we operate. Then we have a capital budget, which deals with all of our infrastructure, um, where we need to make investments. For example, um, I'll give one that everybody knows. We'll give the zoo. Last year, we gave the zoo $2 million for capital funding um, to help them upgrade their infrastructure. Um, same thing with the African American Museum. We just gave money to the Dell um, with the help of Councilman Jones. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. Um, they were slated to get $2 million, and we said, no, it's the difference between equity and equality. We're going to give them more. And so we yeah, made sure Frankie to Frankie Beverly can't perform the way you used to. Come on, yeah. come on now. We got to yeah, make those accommodations. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Osley brothers been there. Yeah, Frankie, Frankie ain't moving around the way you used come to. Come on. Yeah. So, but that's the type of stuff that we do. So operating is just the $5.8 Okay. Yeah. So, so far, um, you've been in a role, what, four years now? So this is technically um, three years. Three years, and okay. at the end of this term, it'll be four years. At the end years. of the term, it'll mm -hmm. be four. But you get sworn in in the next year. Right, right. Yeah. right. What are some of the initiatives that you and your office have introduced since you've been a part of the city council? Sure. So it's really been a lot. I'll say this. We called ourselves the COVID council members uh, because we really didn't have a chance to be in City Hall and do this work. Um, we were there for two months and then Yeah, COVID you started hit. in 20. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, March. Right. Yeah. And actually, I was in a meeting with the health commissioner when they had announced the first case of COVID. He said, oh, we have to stop this meeting because I have to go downstairs. We're having a press conference. We just have our first case of COVID here in Philly. 
And that was the last time y'all were in there. That was the last time we were in the. It's hall. funny because everybody knows we, I was in the gym when they when the uh, the Mavericks were playing and they called everybody off yeah. the floor and we yeah. was just in the gym standing looking at the TVs and sure enough the next day it just got more and more and more and more crazy. Yeah, it was wild to think that like was, you were in City Hall when that happened. Right, with the health commissioner, we were all in my office like you know kind of bunched up together. It was yeah. like you know five or six people in the office yeah. and you know we were just sitting there having a meeting and he's like, oh I gotta go right now. I'm like, oh, I can't even get my meeting. <laughs> Not knowing that, you know, we were about to shut down what we thought was for two weeks. And Ended really being two and a half years. Right, almost. right. Yeah. So um, that part was difficult. But some of the things that I've worked on first, obviously, was the COVID stuff. Um, we found that initially um, all of the home health aides couldn't work just by nature of their work. They can't go into people's homes in the middle of COVID. So we had like 80% of them were black females that were out of work. So I worked together with the uh, council president to do what we call a new normal budget initiative, where we made and created a workforce development program for home health aides to upskill, become certified nursing assistants so they could work at the hospitals. And you know, it was COVID, so they had a need, but it doubled their salaries. You know, they were immediately uh, able to get jobs with benefits. So that was yeah, one of the yellow first things. Yellow button that damn. Jesus. Like, Dan's hitting every button. That Thank you, Dan. <laughs> and um, the first bill I actually passed in council was a bill for um, police reform and for transparency and accountability um, after George Floyd's murder. Um, we ensure that now we have a public comment process um, before the city can enter into public negotiations with the Fraternal Order of Police. And basically that says that we have to have a hearing, you know, so the public can give input on what they want to see um, in the budget. And of course, um, the bill passed. We did have the hearing. Um, it did change how we negotiate um, with the Fraternal Order of Police. We had community involvement on the panel with the arbitrators for the first time in the history of the city. Um, and we're able to make some important changes. Now I was sued <laughs> and we're still in court um, over that legislation, but it was uh, successful. The Fraternal Order of Police sued? FOP. Yeah, I was, mm -hmm. I was going to ask city. you as a follow-up. We didn't have mm -hmm. it on the docket, but I was going to ask you as a follow-up. The Fraternal Order of Police in every city are known to be very tough about mm -hmm. negotiation points, what they relent on, what they agreed to. And then even when they agree to stuff, it's still like, but I'm going to take you to court. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So I'm still in court. But I, um, I, you know, told the city we'll put this on a trajectory to go to the Supreme Court if we have to. So yeah. right now we're on par to be at the Pennsylvania Supreme Court just to say whether or not the public should have a say um, in that process. So that was the first bill I passed. The first bill I introduced, which took me two years to pass, was to give all of our young people in our career and technical education programs in the city a five-point preference when they apply for city employment. And we did that because out of a 24,000 workforce that we have with the city, we're the second lar largest employer, over 10,000 of our employees will be eligible for retirement in the next five years. Mm. A lot of the baby boomers are leaving, and we need more young people to, to get into civil service. So that's now passed, and that regulation will start with this graduating class. Um, all the young people who come through a, a career and technical education program will get a five-point preference when they apply for city employment for the first 36 months after they graduate. And for me, that was big because we want to push young people into public service. We want to help them get good jobs, you know, where they have opportunities to grow and, and move up and around into positions of leadership and responsibility. So those were two bills that I'm really, really proud of. Um, another thing that we did is our apprenticeship guide 
my book. Yeah. Um, that's the first time ever in the city we compile all the pre-apprenticeship and apprenticeship programs available in the city. And then we do a Labor Friday program uh, every other Friday where we bring in the different trade unions and they can talk about um, all the opportunities for work with their unions. And the reason why that was important to me is because years ago I had read an article where one of the union leaders said most of the politicians only call me when it's time for a check. But they never call me um, to get young people jobs. Mm. And I was like, you know what? He's right. And so I, I did teach at Overbrook um, for a short while. Really? I did. I taught at Brook um, right out of college for a short while. And I taught math, class from 205. Okay. And um, my mom went to Brook. She did? Mm. When did she graduate? Uh, 68. Oh, yeah. No, my mom graduated high school in 64. I was there way after that. But. Oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, this is the good, good black taste. We can actually open up the, the, the gate thing Oh, upstairs. yeah, on the fourth and fifth floor. Yeah. yeah. I heard eventually they had armed security out there. You, know, yeah, you can't come in here no more. But. Well, that was the best. That was really the best job I ever had because I went to Gompers, I went to Masterman, then I went to Girls High. And working at Brook taught me so much about everything about life. And my students taught me so much. Like, I didn't see things through like a, a rose colored glass anymore. Right. You know, they taught me so much about everything. And to the point where I would see my kids on 69th Street, I would buy them clothes. Um, I had one baby who, I did have a kid sell drugs in my class before. And I was like, what is this? I'm like, mm-mm. I said, we're not going to do this in here. I didn't, you Like know, in front them. of everybody? Like at the beginning of the class, <laughs> when everybody w was walking in, I look in the back of the class and I see something going on. And um, I, didn't, I didn't do anything. I just turned around. I said, look, whatever's going on in the back of the classroom, don't ever bring it in here again. Yeah, you got to meet me in the bathroom. Right. And then I had one experience where, um, you know, the kids were fighting in the class. And I did get hurt trying to break up the fight. But I really love my kids. And I do have one son now. That's my adopted baby okay. from Brooke. I had him when he was in ninth grade. Yo, to listen, to be a teacher, I say it all the time. My mother was, I told you, my mother was a teacher. And mm -hmm. she went to Brooke, went to Cheney, and mm -hmm. she's part of that black renaissance of mm -hmm. educators through the 60s, 70s. And they're all like, I can, even when I got to like middle school, high school, every teacher knew my mom. Yeah. You want me to call Linda? Like yeah. that was how they used to be. Seriously. <laughs> and they all went to school together, knew each other, and they were all like that when it came to kids. And I always mm -hmm. say it, to be a teacher, you really got to like, like how it doesn't shock me that you're for the city and for mm -hmm. a community because that's how they are my, my, my mom used to let take clothes to school yes. you oh you done with these sneaks i'm taking these yep. like that's a real real you got to be almost like selfless yes to be a teacher because the, the pay is not it right not, yeah, yeah, yeah. right so and i still have my i baby respect now. teachers yeah i love teachers um it's one of the best things i've ever done in my life but I just learned so much being there. And that's when I learned, like, not all the young people are going to go to college. But we should at least help them be college or career ready at graduation. Right. So that's why I do this program. And we just got a black female into the Carpenters because she found out about it through our Facebook Live. I mean, oh, wow. I love that kind of stuff. That's why we do this is to give people opportunities to help them live and have better lives. Um, just to change the conditions of our community. And it's not going to all happen in three years because a lot of this stuff is structural and it's been going on for so long, all this disinvestment. But we at least have an opportunity while we're in these positions to make a difference. Exactly. And to spark the change, to, to start to get right. the ball rolling to where other people see what y'all are doing and they say, that's really cool. Let me do my part to help in this. Right. That's a question because I don't think we asked this with Councilman Curtis Jones. How many councilmen and councilwomen are there? 
Great question. So total is 17 members of council. Um, 10 are what we call district council members. That's what Curtis Jones okay. is. He's one of the 10 district council members. Mr. They, Fourth. Mr. Fourth Clearly. District. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he gonna let you know. Right, yeah. Mr. Fourth yeah. District. He's my yeah. council person too. Okay. Um, but they represent about 160,000 people, give or take, you know, a couple thousand in each of those districts. And then you have seven at-large council members, which means we represent the entire city of Philadelphia. And our home rule charter states, that's like our constitution for Philadelphia, okay. it states that um, of the seven at-large members, two must be of a minority party. It doesn't say which one, just of a minority party. And so we have two minority members at large and then five majority members, which in Philly are the Democrats. So I'm one of the five right. Democrats serving the city at large. Oh, okay. Damn. Yeah. And, <clears throat> excuse me, so... Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's seven at-large and then mm. ten districts. Yes. And when you, when you say you had to get things passed or introduce legislation, is it all of y'all have to agree, or how yep. does that work you think? So everybody has to agree, and I know you all saw all that footage about what was going on in D.C., uh, where they were trying to elect the new Speaker of the House, right. and everybody kept saying they have to learn how to count. Well, that's what we do. <laughs> Under normal circumstances, you always have to get to nine. And if you want it to be veto-proof, you get to 12, meaning if the mayor doesn't agree with it and it has to come back before the council, right. 12 people have to agree. Two, yeah, basically, right. we got the majority. Right, yeah. we got the majority, so we're going to get it through anyway. And it actually happened last week. It doesn't happen very often, but it happened last week. Um, so you That the mayor some, disagreed with something? Yes, he disagreed with something that the council president uh, introduced. And it was passed by the council. He sent back a letter to council and said, I'm sending this back disapproved. And then we did what we call a veto override, and it was unanimous. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so we always got to count. You got to get to nine, and you got to get to 12. And it was so, unanimous through all 17. Well, or through the 12. Well, right now, it's only 15 people in council. Remember, everybody left to oh, run yeah, for mayor. Yeah. And so we did have a couple special elections, but after that, two more people resigned. Oh, wow. So now we're technically down to 15 people. Is there any one particular reason or another why you basically had, what, four people resign in the last year or so? So everybody who, not everybody, but a majority of the people who resigned, resigned to run for mayor. Oh. And you yeah, know Because we got 92 mayoral candidates. <laughs> right. yeah, we're going to get into that in a second. We, we trying to, I, I don't know right. who to vote for. Right. Yeah. Hey, I'm out of here. And you know what? But I had to think about it because everybody said, why are so many of them leaving to run for mayor? But being in the position, I get it. Because it's only but so much we can do to legislate and appropriate. So meaning, let's say if I walk out today and tomorrow, we do a bill and we're going to appropriate $1 million to upgrade that corner, that street corner down there. Mm -hmm. We can give the administration the money, but if they don't spend it, it's not going to get done. Right. So, meaning if they don't it's agree, sit in the budget. Right, it'll just sit there. And so I get the reason why a lot of people who were on council left to run for mayor because they want to be in a position where they can be responsible and make those executive decisions on behalf of the city. Because a lot of this money we appropriate, and to be honest, some of it is, it'll sit there, 
then we have to transfer it, what we call a transfer ordinance that we do in the spring and in the fall to move money around based on the current realities in the city. Yeah. So I get why they wanted is to Is that leave. a lengthy process? It is because you have to introduce a bill, then we have to negotiate what's going to be in there, how the money's going to move around. We have to know how many people have been hired or, you know, what attrition is happening in departments so we know how much money is left over in the employment part of the budget, mm. how many contracts were signed, and, you know, actually what we call promulgated. Um, so we have to know a lot of information in order to, to get a lot of this stuff passed. It's yeah. not just cash apps. No, it's yeah, not just no. cash app. Like, oh, just send 75 over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> just send no, a thing. We get it done. <laughs> we get it done. Yeah, send Antonio's uh, carpentry 75 yeah. million. Uh, Dan, Dan, no, Dan got a guy. He's coming. I'm not going right out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. We, we talked about it in the, in the intro. Um, we have primary elections coming up, and then we have the actual elections in November. Uh, how important in general is it for people to participate in their local elections versus the larger national elections that get all of the press and the big marketing campaigns and all that? How important for someone's quality of life is it to participate in local elections? So I think what people don't realize, because a lot of people will come out and vote for the presidential and say, oh, it's important, I got to vote for the president. All politics are local. Everything that's happening on your street, on your block, stop signs, street lights, um, you know, just your condition of your street, you know, yeah. trash pickup, every, all of that's decided at a local level. So if you want to change how you are represented, um, you have to do that at a local level. So you need to participate in the process and you have to vote every six months. Is a primary election in May, sometimes in April, but typically in May. And then we always have a general election in November. Yeah. And you have to vote every six months if you want to see change because the folks who vote are the ones that, you know, see um, better service quality. And we found that out through all the different reports and stuff that we have, but we can see, you know, how investments have been made over the years. Um, there's one community up in Chestnut Hill where 70, 76% of the people who live in that particular ward, they all vote. Right. Like everybody, 76% of the people there vote. Is that and uncommon? That's very uncommon. Really? Then you'll have, then you'll have other words like in, in more um, black and brown areas where maybe only 50% of the people vote. And yeah. that's like a big deal. Like, oh, that word has 50%. But in Damn, some I, I would areas, just assume that the numbers would be a lot higher. No. If, I, if you look at it on a map, usually how we look at this is in what we call the more affluent, um, sort of rich white areas, the voter participation they vote. they coming is, out. So oh, yeah. much higher, and they're educated voters. They know who they're going to vote for. They don't rely on the paper that people give out. You know, at the voting booth, they already know who they're going to vote for. And then you get to what we call more of like the middle class black communities, working class black communities, and you know, like Winfield um, here in the Fifty Second Ward. We have pretty high um, turnout for a black ward. And right. then you'll go to some of the other areas that are more low income, um, they have more, you know, more of, a drop more of a drop off, more poverty in those areas. And some of those wards only have 7% of people wow. voting. Dang. And so in order to make change in your local community, you have to vote. And I know people feel really disenfranchised by the process, especially since 2020. But the only way to make change is to vote. And right now we have a really unique opportunity in Philly because it's so much change and it's so much turnover. 
Like with all these people resigning, we're going to have like basically a whole new city council. Right. Yeah. Like that hasn't happened in like 30, 40 years. <laughs> um, we'll have a new person in the mayor's office. We have a new governor. We have a new senator. Like yeah, because Kenny already said, I, I can't wait to get on out of here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got my boat picked yeah. out. All right, but guess what? We don't have I, that luxury. I know where the mackerel is at. I already got my boat picked out. <laughs> like we don't have that luxury. When you guess what? And this is what I always say: I'm not complaining. I'm just explaining because we asked to do this work. And when you ask to do this work by going around asking people for their vote and to vote for you so you can represent them, you don't have the luxury to give up on them. Mm. You don't have the luxury to give up on this city because this is the best city in my opinion so you don't have the right to say well i'm just finished you got to finish out the job until the last day that last monday or that first monday in the next year which will be 2024 you're on the job until that day whether you want to or not and you got to wake up every single day with a new determination to get the job done for people and that's what i do every day what difference can i make every single day that's what I want to do. Yeah, that was, that was, that was, you, you was, you was, yeah. Because <laughs> you know what, because I mean. Because <laughs> like really, I'm sitting on horse. <laughs> like, we don't have the luxury to give up on people because you yeah. want to know what, they haven't given up on this city. And a lot of people have. We saw in the last census 30,000 upwardly mobile black people have left the city of Philadelphia for the collar counties like Delaware County, yeah. Montgomery County, Delaware, um, just, you know. <laughs> Me and Chad. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. That, that's what we saw in the census, though. We just got that after COVID that a lot of upwardly mobile black people have left the city of Philadelphia. And the one thing that they have to understand is some of those collar counties don't have the same access to resources like Philadelphia because they're not used to having that influx of people that need additional social services come to their county. So that's going to be another issue for those counties. But for the yeah. city of Philadelphia, what that means is, is that all those black people we lost, that means that there are more folks who are not black moving in. And all the gentrification is happening in the city. Mm. Like all of that is impacting what's going on. So again, we don't have the luxury to give up on people, especially those who are still here trying to fight the good fight and do what we have to do. Can I can I ask this with the election situation, seeing as though you have like such bad turnouts in certain places, do you think there'll ever be a a, a, a change in the way voting is done? Like, to where you can make it something as simple as, like, a text message type right. thing? Do you ever see anything like that happening? You know what? Not any Because the process soon. is, is kind of... Antiquated. Uh, yeah, that's it a is. very good word. It's very... It's like, like, for instance, a couple very years archaic. ago. Very archaic. A couple years ago, when I worked for ADP, I didn't see nobody until, like, my third interview. I went through a verification system on my iPhone. They verified my identity, my ID, this and this. I interviewed with an artificial intelligence robot. Wow. The, based on my answers, that passed me through to the next round of people, whatever the case may be. So you are basically in a position where, and this was nine years ago, so you got people that are in a position to be able to go out and create an income for themselves based on technological Amen. advances and updates and things like that. And right. we're still voting with your ID and coming up and basically casting almost a paper ballot in certain instances. I say it all the time. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
me being at SEPTA. Like, I, I watch people like, you know, like Lee. Like, she works for the government. I watch the way they do things as far as getting things done, handling situations with time off. And these, and me at there was like, you have to come in and get a piece of paper off the... I'm working, run, this, like that. And it just... Certain things are so archaic that people almost just, like, check out. Right. In a weird way. I think at some point, um, particularly for, like, the millennial generation and under, we'll have to figure out a different way for us to be more engaged in the process. They are updating um, the voting machines, so they're now, like, computerized. Right. Um, now the poll books that usually where you have to sign the poll book, mm -hmm. now that's going to be all on the computer. So it is some technological advances that are happening. We had to put $14 million in for that to make sure they could do that. But there like are I, some... I personally feel like we get to the point where, like, it come through. If you could just do it on your watch, right. we'll get some voter turnout. Right. If you could just text, you yeah. know. So, no, that's stuff that I think we have to figure out as far as the integrity of the election and the exactly. safety and the right. security of the election. Um, once we get that part figured out, and if there's another way to do that, I think we do need to start to move in that direction. Um, because usually um, the biggest voting block was like the baby boomers. But now in Philly, the millennials, if we all voted, our voting block would be the biggest. Right. But we just don't. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, we got to do it, though. So with uh, all these different elections coming up, what are some of the hot-button issues that you're hearing from the citizens of Philadelphia as you're traveling around and, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies right now. Right, right. And that's even changed, too, because, yeah. like, I, I mean, it's, it's a different world post-COVID. But um, I would say public safety is the number one thing we hear about. Yeah. Um, every single place we go to, people are concerned about gun violence. And, you know, what I talk about with that is I did update the curfew bill. I did get a lot of flag for that. <laughs> I updated the curfew bill so the time could be uniform, because before it was a different time if it was school year or if it was summertime right. or if it now was the weekday or if it was the weekend. Now it's just across the board. Now it's just across the board. And Blanket what time, time is the curfew? It's 10 o'clock. Yeah. It's 10 o'clock. Let's move it to 7.30. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I was going to say 3.30. Like, <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm almost... Yeah, I got 20 minutes to get, get the house. Like... Not trying to be funny. I, I'm a grown man and I, I'm okay pretty much. Right? And, and, and just... I don't want to be outside past 10 p.m. So I don't even understand the flag that was getting, like, it just right. makes zero sense. I got a lot of flag for that, but what we did do was we opened community evening resource centers. So back in the day, we used to have curfew centers. Mm -hmm. So now we have community evening resource centers that are open every single day from 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. We have four different locations open. We have one at uh, 62nd and Cedar at Community of Compassion. We have one at Dixon House at uh, 1920 South 20th Street. We have one at I-Day at 2305 North Broad Street. And then we have our last location at 100 um, West Shelton, up at 100 West Coulter up in Germantown. And I fought for two additional locations. I had to get another $2 million to open up two, million, um, two more locations. Um, one will be in the Northeast, and the other one will be in East Division. That's down in Kensington. So we do have a place for young people to go to. They, right. don't have to, you know, they don't have to have anything to do. They can just go there, have fun. They have game rooms, you know, financial literacy class, yoga, sports. Whatever they want to do is at the locations. So we did open them up in addition to doing the curfew centers. But that's one thing we hear everywhere 
is gun violence and violence in general. So, you know, we got to do something to address it. And then other than that, quality of life issues. I hear everywhere we go is, you know, trash, um, you know, everywhere being picked up, um, ensuring that, you know, they get service in the community. Uh, and then the other thing that I hear a lot of when I go places is jobs. Every single place I go to, people ask me, you know, oh, you have a job for me? Or, you know, I'm trying to get a job here or there. Um, so that's why I focus on jobs a lot and trying to provide people with opportunity. In addition to the city council elections this year, we already talked about it. We got the mayoral race. Right. Um, you got 93,000 candidates. <laughs> <laughs> of the field, is there any one, two, three, four candidates that resonate more than others to you that you feel will be good to lead the, Phil the city of Philadelphia into this next generation that we're going into right so i'm gonna put you on some political game right now because this is like a little different so when you run for city council at large you the name of the game is to be on as many ballots as possible yeah okay so you have to be on every single ballot that somebody puts out and so for me that means i have to be on all of their ballots too the ninety-three thousand people i have to be on their ballots too mm -hmm. um so that my face is on every single ballot and name and, and button number and so for that reason i'm gonna talk about what i think we should be looking for in another mayor i have i mean i know who i'm gonna vote for personally right, right, right. um i know who i would never vote for um personally yeah. And I've had the, the great pleasure of working with mostly everybody that's running. So I kind of know them from behind the scenes. Mm. Um, I will say that we have to look at people who have experience, um, who know how to navigate city government, who understand how things work so they know how to change it um, moving forward. I just think that this um, is too complicated of a time for the city to have like people who are novice go in and just think that they're going to be able to change everything because city government is very, very complex. So you have to know where to look to make changes. You have to know, you know, even though we're going to have a new mayor, what are you going to do with your commissioners? How many deputy commissioners are you going to look at and change? What about the processes and HR and, and a few other things that need to be looked at? How are you going to negotiate with the unions and, and the, all the different unions as far as their contracts and ensuring that we take care of city workers but while also increasing how we provide service? So I think we're going to need somebody that, to a degree has some experience um, somebody who has a vision for Philadelphia whoever is elected in May is going to be the person that represents us for at least four years but they every decision they make will determine the trajectory of this city for the next 10 20 years right. Right. okay so we need somebody with a vision on how to move the city forward who can immediately come in and make some important changes um, and that's what I think yeah. <laughs> In the prior question, um, you know, you alluded to specifically the things that people are asking you for. Mm -hmm. With that in mind, what are the things that the city needs from a resource and infrastructure standpoint in order to become a larger economic hub and attract those 30,000 people back and then also more investment in building up into the city? Right. So that's a good question. One thing I will say is that people don't realize how much investment is coming to the city already. Yeah. yeah. Like, do you see this life sciences industry? We're one of the top 10 cities in the world for life sciences and how they're investing in Philadelphia. So that's one thing we can do is look at workforce development and say, okay, 
We need to get our people in those jobs because you don't need a college degree to work in a life sciences lab. You just need an extra certification. So how can we, School District of Philadelphia, upgrade our career and technical education program to make one just for life sciences so that when a young person graduates from that program, they can go directly right. That's the kind of vision and work we need to be doing. Um, So people don't realize it's already opportunity. We just have to prepare the people who are here for that opportunity. And then we also, I think, have to invest in communities that have long been disinvested in. Because a lot of this, of what we see around us, is because the appropriate and proper investments were not made in these communities years and years ago. So it is going to take work for us to sort of shift some things around in the budget to ensure that we are addressing different needs like infrastructure, because this is our chance. The federal government has given us so much money so much money, so much opportunity. We just have to go out there and get it. And I'm going to give you an example. We received information because I serve on this board I was appointed to by President Biden is around the environment. Mm-hmm. And we received information about a grant that's available to different school districts across the country. And I said, school district of Philadelphia, can y'all apply for this? Because we can upgrade our water infiltration systems for the kids so they can have clean water at schools. And they said, oh, we weren't going to apply for it. I said, no, you need to apply for it because we could get this money. Well, we were awarded almost $5 million directly from the federal government. They weren't even going to apply. They weren't even going to apply for it. So it's like we have the opportunity. (laughs) We just have to go out there and get it, put a vision together, what we want to see, and then get the resources we can get into Philadelphia. On top of that, we have a new governor, governor who's willing to invest in education, who's willing to work with our partners in you know, the Southeast delegation, like Representative Cephas, like Jordan Harris, like Joanna McClinton, who can help us really bring needed resources to Philly. We just need somebody with vision that can put it all together, you know, and wrap it up in a nice pretty right. bow, <laughs> yeah. and then assign the deputies to get the work done. That's where we are. We have opportunity. This is a great city. People are investing. We just have to make sure it works for everybody. Yeah, like on the outside looking in, you know, um, I see, well, as a, on the inside looking out, I see what the people that are investing from the outside looking in see. We're on a 95 corridor. We're a port city. Right. Got railways. Like, you can get to D.C. or New York in a measurable amount of time, mm-hmm. two to three hours. Like, they're, they're looking at. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. All of that. And that's the reason why you see the Four Seasons go up. You see all these condo units, all these different housing developments and stuff like that. But it's almost like the people that are right here aren't necessarily 
realizing or seeing like the writing on the wall, so to speak. Right, because 76% of the people who live in this country live within like a day's drive of Philadelphia. Right. Like we have opportunity. And even in real estate, I see it. Like I'm so mad at myself that I didn't invest <laughs> more in real estate um, when I had the opportunity. Because now you can barely, you know, buy an investment it's property tough. now. It's yeah, really I, tough. I saw something the other day was saying how with all of this gentrification, it's basically raising up the like average earning mm-hmm. so much in these mm-hmm. neighborhoods. And they were talking about specifically the uh, Point Breeze area, mm-hmm. where years ago you could have lived in Point Breeze and made $37,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Now you need to make eighty yep. just to just to, just to be around. Yep. It's kind of yep. nuts. Just to yeah. be in the mix. Yeah. And with that in mind, what can we do specifically to improve the economic plight of black and brown people in Philly that make up about 60% of the population? Being as though, like you said, Matt, Look at Point Breeze, an area that was historically super black. Now it's a diverse area, and people are basically being priced out of that. Right. I'm going another kind of country, but I've mm-hmm. gone through Point Breeze and uh, what's the other one with Ridge, uh, Ridge Avenue, Charleswood. They call it Charleswood um, Brewery. Oh, uh, uh, near uh, Frax, what's, uh, what's it called? Up the like Uzi and I'm from Francisville. Francisville. Oh, Francisville. Like yeah. you, you come through there sometimes. You, it's unrecognizable. Like Rodale Drive. Yeah. It looks- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's unrecognizable. Yeah, because my family from Cyber Street, <laughs> right off of uh, 25th yeah. and uh, Manster. And I go back there now, and I'm like, where am I? Like, my church is at 26 and Ridge, right across from Johnson Home. Yeah. And oh, even man. then, I mean, I got a call this morning from somebody say, asking for my deceased mother, asking if they could buy, you know, our property there. I'm like, no, we're not interested in selling. But that's where my family is from, is from North Philly. And it's okay. a lot of it is like. I was going to ask, where are you from in the city, well, see, I got a long, windy story. I'm from a little bit of everywhere, <laughs> okay. but I was born technically in South Philly. I was born to a teenage South Philly girl. She gave me up for adoption at birth. Oh. So then my parents raised me in Winfield. My mom was from North Philly. My dad was from Lower Marion. He went to Lower Marion High School. And we were raised here in Winfield, and it's the only place I've ever really, really lived. But now that I've had my biological family, I'm there in South Philly, so I got family in South Philly and all over the city. Yeah, yeah that's oh, where wow. I'm technically from. Yeah. <laughs> So, black and brown people. Yes. What can we do to make sure, like you already alluded to, it starting like with the life sciences opportunities and things like that. What other type of systems can we put in place to make sure that they're the ones that are, number one, aware, and then two, starting to get some of those better economic opportunities? Well, one thing I think we need to do, we really have to look at the business community in Philly. Because, you know, back in the day, you would have commercial corridors and everybody, you know, you knew everybody that worked in stores. Um, Those businesses could employ people in the communities. We don't have enough black and brown people in business who are beyond being what we call sole proprietors, meaning they're the only person working for their business. Um, We need to ensure that we have more black and brown people getting contract opportunities with the city and not always being relegated to being subcontractors on a, a project. I mean, we only have like one out of every 10 of those big projects that are like millions and millions of dollars they're only one out of 10 is a black person. And so until we can get more black people in business so they can employ other black and brown people, um, that's one issue we gotta focus on. Another thing again is the economic and workforce development opportunity. We gotta push people out of these low wage jobs. Um, One thing we saw also from some of the census results that we got back in 2020 right around COVID was that 
a number of the jobs that have grown in the city of Philadelphia, they've only been low-wage positions. And so all of the higher-wage positions, yeah. positions that can get people into the middle class and out of poverty, we haven't grown those um, job opportunities and career opportunities enough. Are they staying stagnant or are they uh, shrinking? Is that people that live here aren't getting into those opportunities? Oh, okay, so it's got it. okay. I work in hospitality. You know, I work. You know, in retail or fast the food. Airport. I work at the airport. I'm a home healthy. Um, but then it's all the middle class jobs, or you can make a hundred thousand dollars. You know, you and say if you know your partner makes a hundred thousand too, that's an opportunity to move up into the middle class. Right. We're not growing enough of those jobs, and so that's why I say we have to do what I call reskilling and upskilling of people in Philadelphia to get them into those positions. And I guarantee you, you will also see a decrease in crime because you're not going to be worried about being out on the corner if you have a, a six-figure job. That doesn't require you to go to college. So it's That's investing in business true. and jobs. I, I always wonder, like, you know, you know you see these things where they, they're trying to do something. We all know what's happening in downtown or what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And you see it, and the first thing that always happens is like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be so many jobs for the mm -hmm. black community. And it's like, well, the job is going to be a cashier. And it's, and it's right. just like, yo, like, there needs to be more of that. Like mm -hmm. you say, these issues where you can really, really put down roots, right. start a family, invest. Yeah. And afford a for family. The future. <laughs> yeah, that, you're like, seriously, it's like, it's cool to bring in this new place that's going to be so many jobs. But if the highest paying job is $16 an hour and rent start at 1300 now, right. Right. That, that's at a bare minimum. That's average. Right. I think Philly has the second highest, like, per capita uh, rent square foot rather rent expense in the country behind Southern California. Somebody had a thing yesterday on uh, Facebook was like, do you remember how much your first apartment was? Mm. And people were like going down the thing and it was just like 650. My first apartment was a two bedroom for 700 with a driveway and a private entrance. Oh wow. <laughs> 700. And people was like, you really, you can get to it. Right. Like, yeah. Like, it's crazy where we at. Cause like the, the cost of living just keeps yeah. going up and, and inflation. up and up and up. And up. Yep. And for us to be in a place where we almost are like stagnant into a, in a weird way going backwards at right. times. Right. It's like, how does this continue? No, and you know what? You're right about going backwards because back in the day, Philly was primarily homeowner. We had one of yeah. the highest mm -hmm. rates of black homeownership in the and country. Flipped at some point. And now it's flipped and it's more renter. And that's another thing, you know, that we had to work on. A lot of the, you know, different rent policies and stuff during COVID and bills that we had to vote for and money we had to put forward. But for me, I kept saying, hey, what are we going to do about the 10,000 black people, mostly black people, who have a house that was left to them and is in a deceased person's name and they still live there but nine times out of ten have deferred maintenance and need help to stay in those properties. What are we going to do for those people? Yep. And so I made them put $8 million into a fund that helped the 10,000 black and brown people who are living in a house with a tangled title. Because that's how you make a difference because the quickest way for black people to build wealth is through home ownership. Absolutely. You've got to yep. own something. Yellow so, button that damn. Right. And that, that's another thing we got to do. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> Dan Dan here so he won't get fined Y'all yeah. <laughs> hey, know why I'm here Yeah, That's funny Can't think yeah. about Sahor, don't mind yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so that's what we have to do We have to create all those opportunities And at every turn that we have a chance To invest where it can make a difference for the black and brown community, we got to do that. Because we yeah. had gotten that report from Pew. They said, oh, it's 10,000 homes with tangled titles that we can identify. There's over $1 billion in wealth. And they said it's 80% black and brown people. I'm like, 
I'm over here. Yeah. <laughs> we negotiated $7.9 million for the next four years to help as many families as possible get out of tangled titles, paying their lawyer fees, paying all their transfer fees when they got to put the house in the next person's name. And I did that, too, because it happened to me. Like right. I was working in city council as a staffer. My parents died. They left us two houses. Both had mortgages on them. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Yeah. I don't even know what to do next. Is there somewhere that they can go to get that information specifically? Oh, yeah. Something? Oh, yeah. Just call my office, 215 686 0454, just call my office and we will get you connected. <laughs> Dan, yeah, Dan, I know it's a tail out here. I was listening to like, I left, my man left me on right. I'm trying to switch the title. My uncle had a lot of something. Yeah, my, my uncle had a suburban. I'm trying right. to transfer the title. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's yeah. decent. Yeah. yeah, so that's what we do. It's wild how many things are really just out there that people mm-hmm. just, that's another one, like, almost like how you said, like, almost like Philadelphia not applying for the $5 million. Yeah. It's so many things that are out there that people just don't know about. Right. They have right. no clue. They have no conscience. They don't know, right. yo, you can get help with this. You can get funding for this. You can get assistance with this. Right. But people really don't know. And I think there's a big disconnect through certain political offices. Like, mm-hmm. when I look at somebody like, Councilman Curtis Jones, mm-hmm. or like you, y'all are like around. Mm-hmm. Like Kurt is just walking up and down 60th Street. Like yep. Kurt is out. <laughs> yeah. Where there are certain people in the city in these places and spaces that can really help people and get the information to the people, you don't see them. Right. That's why you got to respect Pastor Carl. Carl is out there. Oh, He's talking yeah. to him. He with him. Like so, it's a lot of things that go on where people just they don't they just. They, they, they don't get the information. Right, and that's our job. We're, we're community connectors, too. Like, it's our responsibility to do that. So, like, we do mail-ins to all the RCUs and different groups, but people don't get that. Yeah. We're on social media, and I will say, they don't follow us like that. Now, I know they follow they follow no gun zone. <laughs> I'm like, if follow we get it on there. Silly. Right. And they here for the blue button, but you ain't lying. <laughs> we got to get our stuff on there. But um, we do use social media, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I try to stay off of Twitter. Y'all <laughs> might, might got to get Kurt to do celebrity boxing or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kurt, yeah. Kurt versus, uh, uh, what was the old mayor? Um, Nutter. Nutter, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kurt versus Nutter, celebrity boxer. Yeah, this, uh, this mayoral election got so interested. Mike Nutter popped back outside. Yeah, I was like, right. yeah, I might give it a run. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then somebody told me, uh, like, his business that he's in and all the money he's making. I'm like, he ain't running for me. Right, so. right. Because yeah. you, you take a hit when you're in public service because yeah. – one thing I will say, you have to be very, very careful to follow all the rules. Like, I never want to get jammed up for anything, for any reason. I no tell impropriety. my team, I ain't going to jail yeah. for nobody. That couch, okay? ain't, that couch ain't important. No, no. And so we have to make sure that we follow, you know, all the rules and stuff. And for me, that's why I don't have, like, um, I don't do another job. I don't have outside employment. You know, I do, you know, have a, a separate business, but I don't do outside employment. Right, right. Um, because I don't want it to be any conflicts. And I report everything to the ethics board. Like, I just want to make sure everything's up and above the board mm-hmm. because you really don't make money in public service. Yeah. You got to really love this gotta from love your it. heart. Yeah. You got to love this from your core to do this work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're going to do a Jordan Harris versus Hugh Douglas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're going yeah, to get it done. Well, they both are fraternity brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Hugh is a Sigma. Yeah. And so is Girl. Jordan. Yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to get Jordan Harris followers over 200K. Watch it. We're going to run it up. And he hot on TikTok. Like, yeah, yeah. TikTok. I've seen him all the time. Yeah. That's funny. All right, we, uh, we winding down now. I know you got to go. You got press conferences and stuff. You got to deal with this water crisis. Um, I got like 
two and a half more questions because one like bleeds into the other one. Um, our present district attorney, Larry Krasner, has come under a great deal of scrutiny for being, quote unquote, air quotes, soft on crime and what people call being slow to action on the gun violence issue in, in Philly, public safety. Do you think that this is fair or foul or are people kind of like missing the mark and not understanding the greater scope of what's going on with social justice? Right. So I will say I think some positive things that he's done is around the social justice reform um, and really looking at people who have been wrongfully incarcerated, of which there are many. Um, I think that work is important. I think it's positive because of the way um, the criminal justice system has impacted so many black and brown people. Um, but I do think that it's always additional opportunity for all of us to be responsible for this gun violence issue that we're seeing in the city. And some People have and take issue with the policies around, you know, retail theft, as an example. I'm contacted constantly by these retail corporations, you know, who are saying that ever since, um, you know, the when you steal something that's worth $500 or less, ever since he doesn't prosecute those type of crimes, that they've seen an uptick in people stealing from the stores. <laughs> oh, yeah. wait, what um, happened? Right. So if you don't prosecute low-level theft, like $500 or less worth of items, if you don't prosecute those items and just give them like a, what we would call like a CVN or a ticket, yeah. um, then you're going to see repeat offenders is what people are telling us. And so that's the kind of stuff I think when you don't deal with some of the lower-level things, it sort of escalates. Yeah. Um, and then obviously there's a, a policy around juveniles, and we've seen a lot of juveniles um, involved with criminal incidents or activity. So I do think it's important that um, from the perspective of his office that they do focus deterrence again from a citywide perspective. Yeah. Like he has to do focus deterrence. He has to participate in that process because you're basically saying we're going to give you a chance to get it right and if you don't we're going to put the long handle of the law on you. Because you can't just let things be free-for-all. You can't have a free-for-all in a city of 1.6 million people. Because exactly. it's not everybody that's a challenge. It's a real small subset of people committing the same crimes. It's, it's the same people. And you have to deal with those people. And the way to do that is through focused deterrence. So I do believe he has to fully participate in that process in order for us to change you know, what we're seeing. I'm not going to say everything he's done has been negative, but everybody is responsible. Right. And again, you don't have the luxury to say, well, I'm going to focus on this and I'm only going to focus on that. you got to focus on everything when you are responsible for 1.6 million people. And he is responsible. Right. He is our chief law enforcement officer. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know anything about this. Yeah, right. there's something similar that went on in San Francisco. They right. de-escalated theirs to $1,000. Mm -hmm. And you would literally see people, like, just straight going in the store. Like, they say they go into, like, a CVS. They, they look they, uh, drug stores have liquor and stuff. Mm -hmm. They just steal 14 Hennessy bottles and yep. just walk out. Yeah, mm -hmm. like, if you say $500 or less, there's no, like... Right, because usually the I'm first... I'm telling you, me and Dan about to go... Throw <laughs> 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 some T-bones in. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> no, put that back. You taking us over far? <laughs> you only get two time high. Yeah. Yeah. 
But we got weight at. So, I mean, That's hilarious. right, but I think when we saw crime at its lowest under the Nutter administration and when Seth Williams was the DA, they had a focused deterrence program that basically yeah. went out to the organized groups. You know, we, we don't really have gangs like they have gangs in like Chicago and, and out west here. It's more like organized geographical areas. Yeah, right? neighborhood stuff. Right, it's neighborhood beef that's mm-hmm. long standing. And so they went to those groups and said, look, listen, either y'all going to follow the law or we're going to bring out the long handle of the law, okay? Yeah. And we're going to give you resources and stuff in between. That's the work we have to do citywide. We have invested in that work. From a council perspective, they have to use the money in the way that we have invested it to do a citywide focused deterrence program. And Larry has to be a part of that process. I agree. Now, one question real quick. You said you had two. When it comes to the primary and then the general elections, is, how often do you run? I only run every four years. So okay. Because I know Morgan is like every two. Morgan is every two years. Okay. And I don't know how they do that, but every two years they run. We run every four years. We're not term limited in council. Um, and then for the mayor, they run every four years. We're all in the same ballot. Okay. And you can only serve two consecutive terms. It doesn't mean that you can't take one oh, off. Oh, you can take one off back. and come back. Yeah. Got it, got yeah. it, got it. Yeah. Mm. Okay. <laughs> in a perfect world, what does Philadelphia look like? to you five and ten years from now? Mm, in a perfect world, we will have lifted at least 100,000 people out of poverty. Um, we will have provided economic opportunity um, to every single community that's needed it. We will have invested um, in all the communities that are primarily black and brown that have long been disinvested in. All of our young people will be on a path to either a career um, or higher education. Um, and that we're just a, a growing, vibrant city um, that's welcoming and inclusive for everybody who's here and everybody who wants to come here. Um, and that we have industry and that we're just a place where everybody wants to be. That's really what I think we need to do and where we need to be in five or ten years. And we can do that um, if we all work together. That's the key. That's another thing. This burns me up. People have to understand when you get in these roles and when you're an elected official, it's not about you. It's about about you. It's about the people you represent. And whatever you have to do to achieve and accomplish things for those people, you have to do that. And I'm not saying do anything bad, but you have to learn how to play in the sandbox with other people. You can ask any of my colleagues, you won't hear one person say one bad word about me because I treat every single person the way I want to be treated. Yo, I, I told six or seven people we was interviewing, they all was like, I love her. Like, <laughs> no bull. Like, they, every, everybody is, is, a, is, is a fan of you. Oh, that's a blessing. Talking to different people. Kev said hello, too. Oh, I, listen, I, Kev I just love Kev. Where you at? I thought, we've been recording Kev. Oh, man, tell us. That's my dog. Listen, I love, I love, I love Kevin. And he was, like, really, really integral with the police reform working group work that yeah, we did. Yeah, definitely was. And he's really, like, a voice. Mm-hmm. He is a voice in our city. And what I want to see five to ten years from now is people like him in bigger positions of leadership and responsibility, too. Yeah, yep. as he gets bigger positions, we make right. This is, by attrition. <laughs> Got to trickle down somewhere. That's how it go. We rise by lifting others. That's you, how it works. Can I ask, do you have any aspirations of going up? No, and I will say um, that I am really, really happy to be Mayor in this Richardson position. sound cool. <laughs> I'm well, just saying. From your mouth to God's ears, because my husband says it all the time, and I'm like, no, 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 because this is my goal. I want to do as much as I can 
while I'm in this position and have this opportunity. And then I want to retire when I'm 55 or 52, if I can swing it, yeah. um, and enjoy my life and enjoy my children when they grow up and when they'll probably need the most help while they're transitioning. I don't want to work all my life. I don't want to, you know, stay in government because I've seen that. I've, I've have rem I remember when a council person was in council and his staff was like helping him like go to the bathroom. Right. I never want to be that person. Man. And I want to be able to make room for the next generation of young people who will have bigger, better ideas that have grown up under different technology than we did, um, who can also make a difference. And so my goal, God willing, is to be reelected and then I'll see what happens from there. Um, and then, like I said, I got to retire when I'm 52 or 55. And everybody knows that. That is my goal. I'm just saying, you you make it to Mayor Richardson, <laughs> hire us as Secretary of Media, <laughs> like, Director of Media. Yeah, that's a win-win. You know what I'm saying? Like that would be decent. But no, I respect <clears throat> it though. At least you got like enough. I mean, to cut you off, but at least you got enough foresight to say, I know I don't want to. Yeah, you got get a clear plan. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I don't want to get yeah. in my own way. No, yeah. and my whole life is set up that way. My whole yeah. entire life, every one of my houses is gonna be paid off by the time I'm 52. Everything. My whole life is set up that way. <laughs> one last impromptu question, and then uh, we can wrap. Uh, that just kind of came to mind based on what you just said. There's a sentiment from people that politicians and the people in the role in politics need to get younger in order to be more representative of the national population at large, and that would help people connect to political uh, policies and things like that uh, better. Do you, do you believe that, or do you agree with that, yes or no? I agree with it, absolutely yes. And we're the first two millennials on council, me and Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. We're the first two millennials to ever serve in Philadelphia City Council. And just having that different school of thought and idea and experience really helps to shift and move the conversation. So, yes, politics has to get younger. Yeah, so you're the youngest black woman that was ever elected. Ever elected. Right? Ever elected. Yeah, and yellow button that damn one time. Fans, <laughs> wait now. <laughs> yeah, and, and I want some, the next person to be younger than me. Yeah. Because that's how it should be. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, again, Amazing time with you today. Thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate all the coordination that, you know, we did in order to make this happen. Give everybody your point of contact. Make sure they know to come out. One time you. before we do that, my dad is going to absolutely love this. Dan, yellow button and let it run. First episode we ever did where neither one of us cursed. <laughs> Straight up. That's decent. I didn't think we was going to be able to do it, but somehow we did it. No, because everybody, you know what, too, I got to say this. Everybody thinks that I'm, like, real, real goody two-shoe. Because yeah, yeah, everything yeah. that everybody sees about me is this. Because yeah. you know, that's just how it is. It real cleaned up. Right. <laughs> but I'm, my husband says, you got to, you know, have fun sometimes. And, you know, just have a good time. And I do do that when I'm with my sorority sisters. Uh -huh. that you know, we're having fun. Um, or if I'm Let me catch y'all catch y'all at brunch on top of the table. <laughs> the mimosas get the flow. Right. right. Or when I'm at home. Uh, <laughs> but that's funny, though, because that actually happens in council yeah. like if somebody accidentally curses around they're like oh my god i'm so sorry i'm like it's okay <laughs> yeah like i'm human it's like, all right I'm, I'm a human yeah yeah yep. so everybody can get in touch with our office um office of council member Catherine gilmore richardson 215-686-0454 any city related issue anything you have a question about anything you need help with you can call us anytime that's why we are there to be a service to each and every one of you
This has been excellent. I really do appreciate yeah, you. We appreciate this. you so Thank much. You. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll be make sure we're at the polls voting for you. What's the uh, primary election? Dan having too much fun with the buttons. <laughs> Dan, Dan doesn't normally get to work the buttons. So what is the day of the primary election? In case everybody's under a rock, they don't know. What's the day for a primary election? Uh, it's Tuesday, May 16. Election day is Tuesday, May 16. May polls 16. will be open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. They can get more information at vote.filla.gov. One last question, because you're running in May and in November. In November. Can you just give a quick little, what is the difference between the primary and mm -hmm. the general, as far as y'all running for both? Right, so we have closed primaries in Pennsylvania, so in the primary, you have to determine who will be on the ballot from the Democratic Party and who will be on the ballot from the other parties. And then once that's decided, then all of those individuals will be on the ballot again in the general election so we can decide whether it's, you know, Democrat or Republican, because we have a Republican running for mayor too. Yeah. Um, and then usually what happens for the at-large members of council, when you win on the majority side, then you're going to automatically win again in November. Got it. But you still have to work and not take one day for granted. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes, I understand that. Yep. We appreciate you. Thank you. This has been excellent. Thank you all for the opportunity. No, thank you. So yeah, I, really we, we, we were humbled that you were just like so into like when we came to you with the idea, you like, oh my God, I can't believe I, I know. I'm like me. Cause see, <laughs> I listen to the show all the time. Like I said with my husband, he has the Patreon. We go to y'all shows. Yeah. Like we, we get tickets to yeah. most of the shows that I could go to. And I just love y'all podcasts. Like y'all know that. And like, I got it from my husband. And when y'all asked me just to even be asked, I was just so humble and honored because I listened to y'all. Y'all are like the best thought leaders in our age group, in my opinion. Thank you. Oh, and really I feel that way. That. Here go Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you on it today, Dan. <laughs> and I listen to just the breadth of topics that y'all talk about. I yeah. mean, from hip-hop, we was looking at that yeah, painting we, we gonna, there. Yeah, we're going to rumble over <laughs> right, that boy, that painting. We're going to rumble yeah. about that painting, that Biggie painting yeah. back there. Um, but just from, like he don't But just from hip-hop to art to investment, like I remember one of the episodes, we were driving down to Virginia. Virginia Beach, and you were talking about investing um, in Robin Hood. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I got Robin Hood, too. Like, you know, it's just, I don't know. We just have, I feel we have so much in common, and I just appreciate y'all doing this and providing this service to the city. Y'all are real thought leaders, and I think it just elevates the conversation. That's so, going in the bio, thought I'm, leader. I'm serious. That's the TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> That's the clip right there. Right. Make I'm a mental note of that, Dan. Yeah. I'm yeah just, I, I just think for us, at some point, um, we transition from being, like, entertainers to being a resource right. and at that point it started to attract different you know kind of people right. uh, to and around the show and uh, you know like you said being a thought leader uh, not being afraid to kind of like jump out there give predictions on right. stuff inform people give people resources best practices stuff like that it's changed the whole energy around this thing and, oh, yeah. and people like the, it brought people like you to us and, and the biggest thing it. i love in this type of situation is basically just to put a ribbon on and bring it full circle you said that you basically got into politics when you were 15 because of a woman who came to your school and started talking to you so somebody might hear this and right. get in like and that that to me like literally today somebody hit me and was like i was listening to the episode y'all did with ikea and it mm. broke me down crying mm. thinking about certain things i'm dealing with in my business as far as me needing therapy with letting go of control. Mm. And I was just like, damn, because you don't realize the yeah. impact. You know, you thinking we just playing around talking, to, mm -hmm. but then you people are listening to it like, no, this is going to make me change something right. in my life. Right. 
that's a big, big, yeah, big definitely. responsibility. So we really appreciate you saying what you said and just coming to kick it with us today. It's been Thank awesome. Thank you. We gotta get some live yeah. Yeah. Straight up, straight up. <laughs> Damn, he's ready to hit the <laughs> Dan is on it. Yeah. And look, I met Dan before when I walked in. I said, I know you, Dan. And he was like, Yeah, I remember you. He said, I met you at that Kenyatta Johnson event. You told me I smell good. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing else, man. Uh, uh, just again, we can't, we can't thank you enough. We appreciate you so much. May 16th, make sure y'all go out to the polls so that we can have an easier time in November when she's back on the ballot. Right. We hey. out. The realest podcast ever. Peace. We out here. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bottom of Papa at participating McDonald's.